Welcome to the Future Female Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop, and it's my mission to create more female leaders in the workplace. In today's episode, I'm sharing another guest interview where I was a guest on the Honest Management Show with Dan Smith, and it was a really great conversation around things that you all might be working towards as far as becoming future leaders, talking about different scenarios that may come up for you when you get to that role. So I thought you might love this episode. And real quick, before I drop you into that episode, I want to let you know that I'm hosting weekly coaching calls at no cost to you where you can check those out. I share the link over on LinkedIn, but I'll also share it here in the show notes as well. Would love to see you at an upcoming session for any questions as you are preparing for those future leadership roles. All right, let's jump in to the Honest Management Podcast with Dan Smith. Nicole, welcome to the Honest Management Show. It's great to have you here. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here, Dan, and love chatting about all things leadership. So you you have your show called Future Female Leaders. You love helping, you're passionate about helping women become better managers, better leaders. You, you prove that through the podcast, through your coaching career, but what drew you to that line of work? I mean, okay, so I get it. You're a woman. That's, you know, <laughs> that kind of works the demographics, I guess. But like, yeah. is it more than that? Like what made you passionate about this? Sure. Great, great question. And to clarify, part of my podcast is helping women to grow into their first leadership position so that future female leaders is more of that aspiring kind of speaking it into existence. And what got me into podcasting and really focusing on women growing into leadership positions was my initial struggle to grow into that first leadership role myself. I had so many turndowns in a short period of time that I honestly lost count. It was probably at least 10 opportunities for either a training position or a team leader position that I was applying for. And I kept getting turned down with really vague feedback and not realizing what it was. Sometimes I got feedback that was actually not correct. If they went and looked at my stats, they would have seen I was a top performer. So there were some perception issues I was working with. I was very social in my role, which I think is a great thing when you have an expanded network, but I recognize some areas to improve there. And then when I did finally get promoted into that position, it was, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows right from the get-go. I had some struggles of people saying, oh, she only got promoted because she's pretty. And she only got promoted because of this, that, or another thing. So I was working against some obstacles right when I got promoted and I kind of had no idea really what I was doing in that role because because I hadn't really been operating in that role. So as I started growing and getting some advice from my leader at the time, who, you know, I still am really great friends with to this day, and we don't live too far apart. So I see him often. He really helped guide me in my career. And then along the route of me continuing to grow in my career, 
I naturally sought out other women who I saw the potential in and wanted to help them, you know, raise to that next level to get promoted and kind of gave them the encouragement and the permission that they too could also promote into these roles. And many of them thought, oh, I hadn't even thought about growing into that. So that's what really kind of sparked things all along from when I first got promoted to actually mentoring these women and then wanting to spread a, a it spread my message to a wider audience and recognizing when I first started looking into podcasts over three and a half years ago, there really weren't a lot of female voices who were at my level. It was a lot of older white men sharing messages that were a little bit more old school. So I thought, Hey, why not start a podcast and share that message there? I can't help but smile when you say older white men and look at me, but no offense, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Congratulations. You are the problem. So (laughs) So, okay. So, you know, honest management show, candid conversations, mm-hmm. lot. All right. I have two thoughts based on the things that you have said. Sure. One, a lot of what I've listened to in your podcast in the limited time that I've known about it and started listening to it seems to me to apply across the board. Not everyone, like there, you have some of them that are like women, if you are not getting this much of a raise, it means this, like, I get that, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. very specific, but like the, and I shared one out and and I'm drawing a blank on it now, because of course I want to talk about it, but like I shared one out on LinkedIn the other day that really seemed to have as much to teach men, male managers as it did Mm -hmm. email managers. So, so is let me just ask, is it okay that that's the issue or is this like a, like, I don't know. I hate to dumb it down, but like, guys, you get all the, you got your hookup already. This is for, for women. Like, how's this like, yeah, break it down. Great question. And I've had, I've actually had women reach out and say, you know, why isn't this also for men? Or I have a career journal that is a more feminine look and it's more geared towards women. I actually just rebranded my podcast. It used to be called Next Level Leaders. So if you listen back on old episodes, that will be the intro. And that wasn't gender specific. However, my message in that, in my intros is always, my mission is to help create more female leaders in the workplace. That doesn't mean that I don't also want to lift up any gender, right? Who identify as whatever gender this message is for the people, mostly women who, who struggle with confidence, who struggle with communication and feeling like they have a voice, right? Whereas men naturally, right? When we see the statistics, men are much more likely to apply for positions if they don't qualify for every single piece, whereas women are way less likely to do so. That's why I brought in a more female perspective. And I do only interview female to, again, raise those voices of women. However, you're right. I would love for more men to tune into those episodes, not only to see how they can grow within their own roles and promote into a leadership role, but also recognizing what their female counterparts are struggling with. And sometimes there are going to be men who also have like a more feminine approach to things and a little bit more maybe softer or emotional or whatever that might be. And they may also have similar struggles. So I've also had men reach out to me for coaching and guidance because they're struggling and they feel like they need to show up as these strong, you know, courageous men, and that's not who they are. So they do need some of that guidance. So you're right. It's not specifically geared 
towards women as in no men allowed kind of style, right? But yes, I do see that the title itself may deter some men or those more macho men. Alphas. Yes, Yes. all of them. Yes. So not me. So gosh, I mean, you just, everything you say makes me think of something else to say. And so like, first of all, by the way, I I remembered it was episode 182, how to develop your leadership style was Mm -hmm. the one that I was thinking of. But anyway, okay. So on your website, uh, that of course, you know, I'm linked to in the show notes and the, the, you know, the website, the, your coaching courses that you have there and your podcast, they're all in one, one spot there. So check the links in the show notes, folks. But on your website, under the coaching section, you say that women in business uh, hold only 38% of the managerial uh, management positions. In my most recent experience where I was a division officer of some 35 people, give or take, six supervisors reporting to me, I think, I mean, so it depends on what time period because people, especially mm-hmm. in my line of work, they're always in flux. But in most of the experience of the six supervisors reporting to me, two were at almost at all times, there were female leaders. So I can't do math publicly, but I think that's 33%. <laughs> so now at times that that would shoot up to you know half of the half of the supervisors were women but mm-hmm. I I don't know if it ever fell to one or none but but probably two is the average and so I say all of this you know and, and embarrass myself with public math to say that you know I I see that empirically I've seen the thing, the the stats that you're you're talking about Aside from the most hated world, I think a uh, hated word in in the uh, the at least the old school vernacular of affirmative action, how mm-hmm. do we get how do we get better than thirty three percent or thirty eight percent? Such a great question, Dan. So when I think of I do a lot of reflection on different workplaces and diversity and you know women is my focus but there's also such a bigger you know issue and what people are starting to bring to the surface is you know raising other people as leaders as well who are more diverse and bringing a bigger you know background that isn't people who look like us and have the same interests as us when you show up to a networking event. What type of people are you going to show up and go talk to? Who are you most comfortable with? Right? If you're thinking about that in a room full of people, whether it's at a networking event for work, it's a party, a work party with your whole organization, you know, who is it that you're most comfortable going up and talking to? It's probably people who look similar to you. So, if this is a lot of white leaders in leadership without a lot of diversity. So therefore they are hiring more people who look like them because that's what's familiar. A lot of this, you know, unless we're actively working to break those cycles, that's what is hard to change. So when I think about that, I think, you know, for men, what's most easy to relate to likely other men. And maybe it's then that next level of relating to sports or, you know, men who go golfing together or whatever that's like. I hear stories and see them all the time on LinkedIn where, you know, women aren't invited to the golfing work offsite because it was only men. And they thought that this other female leader wasn't interested or whatever that might be. So I think that's one of the first steps is awareness. 
And thinking of when we are looking to hire into these positions, instead of being so reactive and all of a sudden, oh, you, you're going to be promoted. And if it's male, female, whoever, um, recognizing and being more active on who it is who you want to promote in terms of, you know, what kind of leader are we looking for to lead this group of people? Talk about strengths and areas of, you know, ways that people would stand out in this role, you know, draw up this avatar of a perfect candidate, so to say, of who would fit really well before you think of anyone. Because again, that's the next line that I've seen in many corporate companies that I've worked for. It's the person who talks the loudest and most often of it's, I've seen leaders talk about their team members who really aren't that great. But that leader wants that, you know, extra umph of, oh, I promoted these people off of my team. That's good. I should get raises or promotions because I'm also, you know, getting other people promoted. But it's mostly because they're the loudest and they are frequently bringing their team members' names up in a room full of opportunities. So when you start thinking anytime you're hiring or working to grow an organization, think of those qualities and those skills, because what happens when we go to interview people, we look for things that are similar to us. We look for things that are common when people create, you know, when I say I love to go snowboarding, I love to play board games and card games and be strategic, people will start connecting with me. And then that can draw some, you know, biases towards, oh, she might be fun to work with versus if we're thinking, oh, we want someone who is really great with data analytics. That's not typically me. So if you're looking for certain things and write that out ahead of time and get that buy-in, then you can start actively scouting these people of, hey, this person has shown interest. This person is working on that thing. So then you can start to develop those people. That's what I think we're missing out on. And maybe even in your line of work, if you're thinking about that is when I read the book, It's Your Ship, all about not really having the ability to choose who you get to work with. You're just like, hey, here's all of these people who are now assigned to your unit. Good luck kind of thing. That can be really hard to work with because you didn't get to choose. But what you can do from there is choose who it is who's going to be you know, getting promoted and how you're developing them. And when you're working as a team of, Hey, we are going to have this, you know, additional person who's going to get promoted, thinking about those traits of those people. And then, Hey, so-and-so from my team has some of those traits who from your team. Okay, cool. How can we work to develop those people now so that we can when there is the opportunity available for them to grow, that you're helping lift them into that versus, oh, hey, throw you into it and hope for the best, right? Or choosing someone who you think might be a right fit, who's an easier person that you've built a relationship with, who may not actually be the best fit for that position. Yeah, I like that idea of developing what you want beforehand. And yeah, we don't get to pick who you know shows up, mm-hmm. but we do get some leeway at the first line supervisor level of, you know, picking who goes in there. Sometimes it's easy to go with the, you know, the seniority, you know, that person's got, he or she has seniority. They've been here longer. So they're the, they're the person in charge, but, but there is some wiggle room there. And so that 
I, I like the idea of, you know, kind of, I guess mentally I do it because I've done this job for a long time, but I like the idea of actually, you know, writing that down and understanding what you want out of it. Mm -hmm. I also like the idea of, you know, taking that and then starting to develop people into that so that, uh, yeah. And then, so I think an action item that I, I can apply pretty quickly to my my role based on what you're saying is is really take an actual look at the people that work for me not not just the ones that you know face value I relate to easiest but like actually applying those soft skills of you know empathy mm -hmm. and trustworthiness and really starting to actually better understand it works for me so anyway thanks for answering that question so absolutely Okay. So yes, I think that there's a lot of pressure probably on both men and women in management and leadership roles to adopt this alpha mentality because that's, that has worked in the past probably and is, you know, is believed to still be what works, but that's actually not who I am either. And so maybe that is why your podcast has, you know, resonated with me as well. I don't know, but, mm -hmm. but at any rate, okay. So thanks for answering that. The other thing that I thought of, and this is something that we struggle with in my line of work a great deal. If someone has, is very good at, let's say the technical aspect of their job, they, you know, the wrenches, the, the, you know, the tools, the electrons, all that kind of stuff, the radars, all that. Mm -hmm. The mentality in my line of work is that, well, then they should also probably be good at leading other people doing the same thing. And so therefore, whether men or women in that, in that role, there's not a whole lot of training that goes with that. You're kind of thrust into the, I was, I'll say it in my terms. I was thrust into that role as a young 21, 20, 21, something like that. You know, and suddenly I'm in charge of, I think three technicians at the time. And that has happened, you know, I, as the, as the division officer, I've done that. I've, you know, suddenly pointed at someone and said, Hey, you're in charge now. So you know, and so I don't know how much that translates exactly to the civilian world, the corporate world, but how much of that, how much are you seeing in a, a particular first line supervisory people who are coming to you saying that, you know, I just didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have training and I don't know what I'm doing now. How much of that is coming to you versus uh, people who are like, oh yeah, I just want to get to the next level. I already, I've got this down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's honestly one of the biggest things I think that organizations and it sounds like in all different lines of work being in the military is as you're mentioning is that sometimes people think that if you're the best at the job you will also be the best at leading that work and that is absolutely not the case this is why we have so many people quitting their bosses not their work we've seen a lot of people especially in these you know younger generations, who are happier to make less money as long as they enjoy what they're doing. Many people will be willing to, you know, not get pay raises or not make a lot of money as long as they're either working towards, you know, a mission, a vision, feeling like they're making a difference. And in part of that is also working with great leaders. Great leaders do not mean that you are the number one salesperson or the number one hitting all of your goals and your metrics. And maybe in your life, of work, knowing exactly all the things and being a real subject matter expert, that does not mean that you're going to be a great leader of a team. And so when I've seen people move into those kinds of roles, more 
out of, hey, here's your promotion that you didn't even maybe say that you wanted. We're moving you into this role. We think you're going to see this as a great thing, whereas you you might be thinking, what the heck am I doing here? So in those situations, yeah, I've had people come to me with both. Either they're chasing the corporate ladder, which I work really hard on my podcast to think of growth in terms of where you're at today. How can you grow and expand your knowledge? How can you gain mentors and many free things that are available at your fingertips through YouTube, through podcasts, through a million different ways to grow how you can, uh, grow where you're at today so that you can be prepared for those future leadership roles or whatever it is that you're interested in. Because I have seen those people who get promoted and then they're super lost. I was like that. Like, and I even felt like I was doing a lot of the right things. And then I got promoted. And then I thought, I don't know from team member to team leader, I was really lost. So I actually created a program around that to kind of close the gap between becoming a team leader and a team manager, because it it can be really confusing if you're not quite sure how to have conversations with the people who were your peers last week. And now you are their leader. Like all of a sudden you become, you know, this higher authority, but it, there's still so much to learn and grow from there. So yeah, a lot of people struggle with that. And in the past, I've dealt with that more one-on-one of, okay, what are you struggling with? What things can I help guide you with? Here's what you can talk with your leader about and share that you're a little bit lost and confused because many times there isn't training. It's just on the job. Hey, you got promoted. Now go be a leader. And you're like, okay, how, how exactly do I do that? Because I was being a leader amongst my team. I don't necessarily know how to now be a leader of the team. Those are different roles. So yes, it's definitely a big struggle and why a lot of people end up not liking being that management, being in that management role. Cause when you think about what that really is, it's different than it's like what you think it is versus reality. And it's different. Yes, it is. And I can attest to that as well. I, I had no idea what I was doing. In fact, there have been several points in my career where I have not known what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, have to, it takes, you know, several months to kind of figure out the lay of the land before I think anyone can probably be, you know, effective. But let me ask this question then, because your focus is helping develop future female leaders, how how does a woman, a, a female technician or, or a, you know, first line supervisor, how does she walk into that situation Uh, How is she seeing that? How did you, how did you see, you know, did you have fears about going to talk to your supervisor about that lack of knowledge and, and experience, or, you know, is there something different about how a woman perceives that situation than what your average man sees the situation? Sure. Yeah. I'm happy to share my experience and then give some additional advice. When I was growing into that first leadership position, I sought out a need that this team needed. I knew that this team was going to be having an opening based on some cascading levels of people getting promoted. And I thought, okay, I've got to start figuring out how I can best network and find needs for this team that I can fulfill. And in that role, I was a subject matter expert on our help center. I was much like 
I retained a lot more knowledge back then than I do now. So I knew all of the paths for the most part of our help center. I could tell you exactly where to click from memory because I really studied our help center. And so when someone had a question and needed help, our leaders relied on me to answer those questions. And it became easy for them to not have to do additional work because they knew that I would, anytime a new feature would come out, I would be the one investigating that and seeing if anything needed to be updated in the help center and report it to the people who would update it. And also something that we sold at the time, which was travel insurance for people booking their timeshares. So I, I was not great at sales, but I was always great at at least bringing up the conversation. So part of the quality assurance process was that you had to mention it and bring it up on every single call. So I wanted to bring that to that team to say, Hey, Here's a way that you can do it. I had a little bit of a training and I offered my help. I went and sat by people who were struggling with their stats in that area. So I found ways that I could offer value to this new team, this team that I wanted to be a leader of. And I communicated that with their manager. Hey, here's here's who I can see is struggling. Here's how I think I can help, you know, get the buy-in from them. Do you think that that's a good idea for me to come sit with them? I can have them listen to some of my calls. I can listen in on some of their calls and give some advice. And that's what was a huge thing that helped me get to stand out amongst the person who I was up against, who actually had 10 years of tenure. I had been at the company for two years. The manager was actually told not to pick me because that company really valued tenure. And I was shocked when he did pick me. I thought for sure, there's no way I'm going to win over this other guy. And he chose me. And he said that it was because I was proactively doing work to show that I wanted that role versus this other guy who was a great person, a great trainer, but he didn't show that he really wanted it. And therefore that manager chose me. So I ended up getting promoted and I had those struggles and I, I was kind of testing the waters because this was a leader who I didn't work with a whole lot before I got promoted. We had a good rapport and a good banter. So I went to him and I said, Hey, here's kind of what I'm struggling with. He actually had told me from the get go. He said, Hey, you know, congratulations on being promoted. And also I want to be very transparent with you that I was told not to pick you. And he's like, I'm not saying that to, you know, hurt your feelings or to make you feel bad or anything like that. I want it to fuel your fire because I know that that is what that will do is to fuel your fire, to be the best leader you can be, to prove those people wrong who said that I shouldn't pick you and I should pick that other person. So yeah, that was tough to hear, but again, it did light my fire to say, okay, this is my chance to prove myself. And that's what gave me, I think the ability to say, okay, here's where I'm struggling or here's where I'm kind of, you know, feeling like I don't know how to provide guidance. You know, we had a team member who was taking advantage of our phone system and I was their friend, you know, and coworker just weeks ago. And now I'm the one that's going to be writing them up to potentially, you know, risk their, them leaving their career. And so I was always checking in with him. Hey, how, how should I handle this? What advice do you have? And he was always helpful to give me the advice and encouragement and then offer, you know, do you want help, you know, providing this? Do you want help or do you need assistance or whatever? He was always such a great support system to me and very encouraging, which again, gave me the confidence 
to go forward from there. So I think the biggest things and what I work with within my podcast is first of all, growing your confidence, because if you don't have confidence, you're not going to have the courage to talk to your leader about what you're struggling with. Then we talk about self-awareness. If you aren't self-aware, that's a huge huge struggle in your daily life as well as in your career if you don't have self-awareness of how you're coming across to people and how people are perceiving you and receiving you that can be a problem even if you are trying to do your best and you aren't self-aware that's a struggle communication right if you have confidence and self-awareness then the third step that i focus on is communication how do you feel about approaching your leader how do you feel about approaching team members right that's hard to provide a team member some guidance when you technically aren't the authority but you see areas that they can improve on that's where communication comes in and is so important in your career and then other steps that i focus on when people are looking to grow and expand is a networking and growth mindset, thinking of that bigger picture, next steps, you know, beyond just this week, this month, and this year. So in dealing, let's let's give let's talk through a couple of scenarios of the the female leaders you work with and you, that you coach and 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 help out here. Let's give an example because I've got I've heard of this in the past. I, I hope to God I've never done this, but let's say you've got the the intimidating boss. And let's say that, you know, the a female man first line supervisor has been promoted into the position. You know, the, the boss is intimidating to everybody. It's not certainly mm-hmm. just her that feels it. Um, but how does a one of your your future female leaders, how do how do you coach them in dealing with that situation? Yes, I was gonna look up. Yeah, episode 57. I talk about how to have a better relationship with your male boss. And that one is, yeah, it talks about how to approach a leader in general when maybe you don't have as much in common or you don't necessarily know how to connect with them. In all relationships that I feel like has really served me in my career growth is I work to get to know people on a kind of personal level as much as I can before starting to bring some of the work things into it. So I do think it's helpful to have one-on-ones with your leader. And if they're not actively approaching you with them, work towards that yourself and talking about, Hey, can we check in and have even, you know, 30 minutes so that here's some things that I want to go over. And in my one-on-ones with my leaders, I will have time slated that I want to talk about things that aren't work-related. I want to get to know about you. And if you have a family, what's important to you? What makes you excited about the work that you're in? Tell me about how you grew into this level that you're in now, right? It's showing interest. Anytime someone shows interest in us, we, you know, people generally love to talk about themselves. So if you're asking, Hey, tell me about your career growth. Tell me about your family. And then what I do is I take notes either. Sometimes I'll take them directly in my phone, like in the actual contact themselves so that I never like lose that. Or I have a section in my notes on my computer. I use Mac products. So I just use the notes app on my phone or my computer and I'm able to write things from that discussion. What I will do is take those notes 
and reflect on those at a later time. Maybe it's a week from now. I'll write down, you know, they mentioned that they have a son and a daughter in college. So I'll, I'll mention that. Hey, you mentioned you had a son and a daughter in college. Tell me more. Are they going to different colleges? Are they out of state? You know, so it's slowly getting that additional information. Remind me, what are their names? And then as things come closer for the holidays, I'm like, hey, what are you doing with, you know, Zoe and Jack? Are they flying in for the holidays from college? You know, it's those little steps to work better with your boss. So that's definitely something that takes some time. But the biggest things that you can do early on in your career is something like asking them what success looks like in your role. Because there have been times, and I've done this for years, I've been in different leaderships roles for over 10 years. And one of my last positions, I had no idea what really my boss defined as success. And so I felt like I was staring at a computer screen for many hours of my workday, not quite sure what to prioritize. So then that was my, you know, red flag to be like, I need to go talk to my boss and clarify that. So then when you get more clear direction, okay, success looks like this. And for women, especially, I feel like we are worried of if we're, you know, we worry a little bit more, I feel like. So if you get clarity from your boss, Hey, I want you to do these three things consistently and you are able to do those great. If you have any struggle with anything, Hey, on that third point, you mentioned, you want me to work on this. Are you able to provide me some additional clarity or can you walk me through what that looks like? Clarify what you, what type of learner you are. I like to see things be done and do them like alongside them. I'm not big on like, Hey, here's like a instruction manual, like learn it yourself kind of thing. I like to talk through stuff. So I would clarify that with my leader. Hey, can we talk through this? I learn best clarify. I learn best by talking through some of this. Do you mind walking me through and sharing your screen or, you know, in person showing me how you want this to be done? Clarify that now. And then as you're checking in, Hey, how does this look? You mentioned these three things. These are what I've been working on. Is that still up to par? Is, has anything changed? And then go from there to make any adjustments or changes. That way your leader can't come back, you know, on your annual performance review and be like, Hey, Nicole hasn't been performing well. And I'm like, Whoa, you, I've been doing the things that you said. So then that would be another touch point, but likely because you have been checking in with them and you're asking if there's anything else they expect of you, if not, then they should be giving you a glowing review because you have had that great communication and expectation set. I love this. So, uh, Folks, if you're binging the podcast right now, mine, although you're getting a lot of good episodes from Nicole's as well, but if you're binging mine right now, just a few episodes ago with Rory Tyre, we talked about what does success look like and finding out from your boss what success looks like. And I love that you've reiterated this for my audience because when you don't know what it looks like, and I would expand that even to what does success for my boss's boss look like also? Like what is what is he mm-hmm. or she trying to attain as well? But but especially at the first line supervisor role, what does success look like? So I know if I'm hitting the mark ahead of time, you know, we have midterm counselings in the Navy. And so, you know, I've been doing these for a long time. Uh, but if all you're doing is three strengths, three weaknesses, something you're going to work on in the next six months without mm-hmm. the boss telling you what he or she thinks you should be working on for the next six months, it's really still just a shot in the dark. You got to find out what success looks like and you've got to, and then 
of course, you got to have the courage just to suck it up and go look for that success. Obviously, this only partially works if you ask what success is and then go do the opposite thing. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of taking your life in your own hands, your career life. But but yeah, finding out what that looks like and finding out what it would take to get there. And then I think even touch points periodically through there is, as you get closer to that annual review or the promotions coming out and things like that. Okay, so now I want to spin that just a little bit. And I, and I have witnessed this one happening and I probably did not respond to it correctly because I just started yelling at the people in question. <laughs> and, and the guy who worked with me, the chief that worked with me, we just, but, but we were just trying to be the bigger guys in the room at that time and, and try and put some, some upstarts down. And I don't, like I said, I don't know if we did the right thing, but let me put a spin on that. So not the intimidating boss, but what does a, what do you counsel women in leadership, again, particularly these first line supervisors that may or may not have been trained properly or fully before they started the role? How do they handle the intimidating direct report who Mm -hmm. maybe because they're a woman, maybe because they're perceived as being, I don't know, name your poison as it were, but like the, the, the guy who does not want to work for whatever reason for the female leader, how do you counsel the woman in that situation? Absolutely. And I think this can happen in a multitude of ways. You could be a young female leader or a young leader in general. That's how I started out. I got my first leadership role when I was 21, I think maybe 22. And I had older people on my team who felt like they could have done it better than me. I had people who had much more tenure than me on my team who maybe thought they could have done the job better than me as well. So you're going to have all sorts of different levels. You're going to have opportunities where someone gets hired into a role above you that you were also working towards. And you're like, I have all the internal knowledge Why can't I move into that position? Why are they bringing someone in from the outside? So you're going to run into this in all aspects of your career. And you're right. It's kind of choose your own adventure on how this goes. However, for this specific scenario with women in leadership who have direct reports, who maybe are less than thrilled about them being in that role, I would first give advice of always whenever you are growing into a role of being a leader and this is why i say start with start becoming a leader before the word leader is in your title because of situations like this where you you know it's an uphill battle when you start to build relationships only because you're in a leadership role that could come across as feeling like, oh, now you want to get to know me kind of thing. So that's why I think, you know, networking, building those relationships is important from the get-go. If that's your goal is to grow in your role, it is totally fine. And I can't emphasize this enough. You do not need to grow in your organization or wherever you're at in order to be of value. Some people, I think, talk about it so much of growth and you know, moving to that next level and getting that pay raise and all the things. Not everyone wants that. Not everyone values that. And we need people who enjoy, you know, doing exactly what they're doing and, and having that, you know, where they feel most confident is in kind of repetition. So wanted to clarify that. So let's say, yeah, you have the the person who is not stoked about you being a leader. First and foremost is building a foundation of what a lot of people refer to it as psychological safety in the workplace. It's 
helping build a foundation of getting to know people so that they can open up to you without the worry of that then hurting their career. If they open up to you about a mental illness that they struggle with or some other struggles, maybe they're going through some personal things in their, in their home life, you know, like so many people, I feel like leaders aren't viewing their team members as a whole person. This work sliver is a big sliver, but it's not the whole pie. So when I grow into leadership roles and when I'm building relationships, I want to get to know who you are as a person. What do you enjoy outside of work? What fuels you? Why are you here? Do you want to grow? Do you, are you here because you feel like you have to be here so that you can provide income to your family? Cause that's different than, you know, other people's drive. So when you're building those relationships, I feel like it helps gain buy-in from the people who are most skeptical. When you start to understand where they're coming from, And where you're coming from as well. So let's say his name is John, who is not a big fan of my leadership style. And I start to build this better relationship with John and he gives me some ideas. And then I bring them to Dan, let's say, who's my manager. I say, Hey, Dan, John was giving me some really good tips, right? My job as that manager is to lift all of us up. It's no longer, you know, as much about me. It's about raising everyone else beside me. And when you become a leader, it is kind of not taking that credit and being so proud that you don't have to anymore. You're raising other people up and you have that like internal pride knowing that you're part of that. So I would say, Hey Dan, John gave some great ideas for these initiatives. I'd love to see how we can test them out. And then if you're giving me the go ahead to do so, I would then go back to John and be like, Hey, thanks so much for sharing with me. Some of these ideas. I talked to Dan and he's actually bought in. He loves these ideas. He wanted to test this second one that you mentioned. How would you think that that could be implemented within this group? And I would get his advice and I would say, how would you want to be involved? Do you want to help lead this, you know, alongside me, you know, get curious about what that is because sometimes people feel like they're left out. Some people maybe grew up in a different situation or environment or whatever it may be and and simply need to feel understood to then gain the buy-in. Because when you get promoted into a leadership role and you start coming out the gate, you know, guns a-blazing or, you know, coming in hot, so to say, that can rub a lot of your team members the wrong way. But if you start having, you know, take no action at first, talk with your leader and say, are you okay with the first 30 days, right? You can create this 30, 60, 90 day plan. You say within my first 30 days, I would love to, you know, simply build relationships with my direct reports, see how I can continue to, you know, grow that trust, grow that, you know, foundation of psychological safety. And then I would love to see what they think our team can improve on, gather all of their ideas, bring them back so that that next 30 days, you can start talking about implementing and anything that you're implementing, you're bringing back to them to be like, Hey, thanks so much for that advice. The team's going to love this. I'll make sure that they know you're the one that, you know, brought this up as the idea, or I'll say, Hey, you know, this idea, we talked through it. There's a couple of reasons, you know, that I'm not going to get into that. We're not going forward with it, but thank you so much for sharing that idea with me. I want you to continue sharing those with me so that we can decide what we are going to, or not going to move forward with at that time. So I think sometimes it is, you know, especially sometimes women coming into these roles, feeling like, Oh, I need to lean into my masculine energy and I need to show up in this different light. And then all of a sudden people are like, Whoa, 
who is this person? That's not the person we worked with as a team member. And that's why you'll get a lot of like, oh, they've changed because they feel like they have to act in a different way. When in reality, you don't, it's, it's a matter of figuring out how to start moving into that action taking role after you've gained some initial buy-in. So good. Okay. That is not how I responded to the situation that I was in where one of my, <laughs> when a young, young female managers who was first line supervisor for me, I did not do that well. And so I will do, do better in the future, but all um, matters. Yeah, that's all we can do, right? And then try not to cause too much damage on the way. But um, yeah, and acknowledge it, right? It's, yeah, it's coming back and saying, you know what? I recognized I didn't handle that as well as I, you know, intended to. I realized I acted out of some emotions versus, you know, like taking a step to reflect back and and I recognize, right? Vulnerable leaders, you know, I would imagine even in in roles like yours, it grows so much for people to understand that you said that you're not perfect and that you have weaknesses too. You make mistakes too, because that gives your team permission to make mistakes and that it's okay. And that we can recover from those. Some are much harder, you know, especially if you're like in, you know, very dire situations and a mistake is made that could have much larger repercussions, but letting people know like, Hey, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm not very proud of how I handled this particular situation. And upon, you know, learning more about how I could have handled it better. Here's how I'm, I'm going to work on doing this in the future. And if you see me, you know, act a different way, like, please call me out and, you know, welcome that and recognizing that that's going to do wonders, you know, for your team and for your leaders to be like, wow, he acknowledged that like, he didn't handle that very well. And, does want to do better. And now I see that I can also make mistakes and then come back and recognize where my opportunities of improvement are. That's great. I I don't have a lot to add to that. So <laughs> it takes some humility to to be in that place, to admit that you were, you could have handled something better, but we all need a little more humility anyway. So at least I think so. Yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for being on my show today. It's been a lot of fun. You. Yeah, I have loved being a guest and sharing with your audience. Looking forward to seeing your podcast grow as well. Thank you. And standing invitation, I would like you to come back on the show. We'll we'll work out some details at some point because yeah. I still have another page of notes that like I, I really wanted to ask you. So so sure. that just means I got to have you back sometimes. All right, friends. I hope you loved this episode and got so much out of it. As a reminder, if you are looking to grow in your career, no one is going to prioritize your career and your goals more than you, which means you've got to determine when it's the right time to invest in yourself in your career. This is why I created the Future Leaders Program, and my guarantee is that I'll work with you until you get promoted. I know for me, I've been weary when joining any coaching programs because you think, is this really going to work? Well, I'm going to work with you until it does. So check out the link in the show notes and I look forward to seeing you in an upcoming cohort. All right, until next time, I'll see you later.